0: Mm. Mm-hmm. you. The Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry. And I need to get used to this again. Yes. Well, we both got laid low by COVID. Yep. Uh,
1: It took me two weeks to get off the couch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we had a little bit of a storehouse of episodes, but we used all those up.
1: Yeah. Lena's chomping at the bit to get new ones. Yeah. So... We apologize. Uh, I don't know if anybody's going to know this. Well, somebody posted on Facebook in some form, you know, what's your favorite podcast or this? And some guy said, I usually listen to Faith and Fable, but they're getting really spotty lately. Oh, really? I'm I'm like, we are pastors, (laughs) and we actually (laughs) have other things that we got to do. You did, uh, you've got two funerals coming up, right? Yeah.
0: Well, Yeah. At least, yeah. possibly, right?
1: You had two deaths in your church, yes. And I just finished burying two people, yeah. And Grayson, our other pastor, he just got back from a funeral today, and I've got a wedding I'm performing uh, on Saturday, and yeah. Then you have just the counseling, and it just well. And we got a new church, yeah. So I'm dealing with that. Yeah, you got new elders. You got everything's new for you. It's a full. Yeah. Fully formed church now, so we apologize if we we don't always crank these things out, guys. Um, and and we're not whining. This is, I mean, it's just part of it. But, um, but we like we like doing it. Yeah, we were just talking about uh, how we both missed each other. Yeah. So, so anyhow, we're, we're what, here. What are we doing Yeah, We got to
0: get used. To it. <laughs> um. So today, uh, finally, we are starting uh, our series on eschatology which is the very final topic uh, in Systematic Theology three and Systematic Theology as a whole. Uh, And so we'll see how long this one takes us. Um, (laughs) I think we got... (laughs) How many on uh, death? uh, At at this point, at least four. (laughs) (laughs) If that doesn't draw the people in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, this right here is going to be a shorter episode, uh, simply because we're introducing the topic of eschatology, um as you know or may not know, this is a very large topic, and uh, I would say, without question, one of the most contentious yeah, um perhaps the Holy Spirit is also rather contentious, and it's ecclesiology yeah but, the, all three of those are so tightly uh, interwoven, yeah um and because there there's there's many issues uh many many views, many perspectives, so it's a large one. Uh, Buckle up, buttercup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So if you didn't know, uh, eschatology is simply the study of last things. Comes from two Greek words. Uh, First of all, eschatos, which just means last, uh, and then logos, which is where we get the ology and everything. It just means a study or word of something, so put them together. It's simply that study of last things. That's all eschatology means. Um, Now, many come to this topic, and they will for lack of a phrase, glaze over, because it can be that, you know, mysterious uh, book of Revelation. I remember just being frightened as a child reading that. I tried yeah. to avoid it because it can be scary. Um, and
1: one of the things interesting is that I preach through it all the way. Yeah. And it's one of the ones that most people who are new into our, our church, they listen to that series because for the very reason of what you just said, they don't hear people preaching on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if at all, yeah. or it's extremely high level because they don't want to get into the nuts and bolts. I think it's because a lot of pastors really don't know what to do with it
0: themselves, mm-hmm. but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I would agree with you on that. Um, many ha- also have different experiences. Um, so, like ecclesiology or uh, pneumatology, doctrine of the church, doctrine of the spirit, a lot of that is what you think on those things, or what your opinions are, whether they're formed or unformed, as a result of your experiences. Uh, same thing with eschatology. Um, so, some will think of, for example, like that left behind series, hmm. um, Tim LaHaye, I believe. Yeah. Um, y- you know, so <laughs> when you were a child, you were terrified when you woke up from a nap and the house was empty. <gasps> the rapture came. <laughs> I was left behind, going to hell. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, s- Uh, you have eschatology comes out some people they immediately think of just that crazy person with a beard down to their belt uh with penetrating eyes screaming on a street corner um others think of scorpions and apache helicopters (laughs) uh you know others will just think of just that old kind of crazy relative who just can't get off israel they're always talking about israel and uh, hyper-analyzing the newspaper for signs of the times and um, all that stuff. Uh, whatever it may be, people have experiences, and the result then is um, some people care a lot about this topic, and others, frankly, don't care at all.
1: Well, I actually had a, um, a man in our church who came from another, and as we were talking, uh, he, he thanked me. He's like, "It's I appreciate being here because S." catalogically he and i are in agreement and he's like for the longest time he says you know i was at a church where i was in the minority and he's like it was very it was made very evident in the way people would talk to me and if they heard something they they oh of course you don't believe that and and he's like he felt very off um or you listen to other podcasts or yeah or preachers and they they hold a different view. So like I'm thinking like the cultish. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, I enjoy that podcast because um, I have a great interest in cults. Um, I think they do a good job, but they're also convinced post-millennial, which we are not, and they just will take digs. And I'm like, I don't know of a single pre-mill or ah-mill that holds to what you just described, uh, but they're chuckling, and and a person passively hears that, and they're starting to, and you can you're like, well, I really appreciate what they say. Maybe I'm wrong, but
0: your pastor won't teach on it, so <laughs> yes. you don't know. Yeah, and you're left to your own de- devices, essentially, to figure it out. You're left behind. Bam. That was pretty clever. I see what you did there. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ah. So, so well, we, this, you know, so despite all those, ra- the raging debates, um, or frankly, the apathetic indifference that some may have, uh, what we hope to do here is show that your eschatology shapes your practical living as a Christian in yes. a very significant way, or at least it should, um, and so... We hope to show that, um, and we hope to show that the central purpose of a good eschatology, really, uh, b- when you boil it all down, is to provide the Christian hope. Um, that That is really what eschatology is and what it does. And that hope, then, is something that should be informing every aspect of your Christian life. Um, so it, it's a hope in everything from your decision-making to... Uh, How you suffer, even informing, as we're going to see in certain episodes, how you die um, or think about death. Um, So there are also many things that your church may or may not do as well as a result of their eschatology. and some people know this, a lot of people don't, but you know, your social engagement, your politics, starting of schools and businesses, these kinds of things are all informed by eschatology. Which is also interesting because we just started a classical
1: school. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to fourth, K through four next year. Um, and I've had people tell me, that doesn't make sense in light of your eschatology. And my, rec- my comeback to them is, actually, it makes absolute sense if you have a proper understanding of what eschatology is, and they look at me confused. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. It, it does. It affects it very practical things.
0: Right. And, you know, some, I mean, there are a lot of churches argue, out there that argue that the membership of the church must be heavily invested in certain arenas, um, such as politics, social engagement, these kinds of things. And then others will say that, all those things are an exercise mm-hmm. of utility. Um, again, much of that being informed by their eschatology. So one example that you and I um, saw in a was a recent situation in which a, a premillennialist pastor, um, one who I actually uh, enjoyed, I thought he was a very good preacher. Yeah. And,
1: Out in San Diego or he someplace was, he like that. He planted a
0: church in San Diego. Um, and it was interesting to watch him just from a distance. He was becoming more and more, what he called a sympathetic post mill, um, And I saw more and more uh, becoming interested in like Doug Wilson. And in that fact, whole fact, Wilson actually interviewed him, I believe. Yeah, and vice versa. Um, and so what he ended up doing is he ended up leaving his church plant there in California and moved to Texas. And the reason he stated that is because he wanted to pastor a church in which he could encourage his members to, Uh, start schools, start businesses, engage in politics, uh, and begin to influence the community and the culture. And he wasn't able to do that at his current church. Or at least he felt he wasn't. Yeah, that's a good way to phrase it. Um, And so whether that's something that sounds noble to you or it just sounds outright silly to you, uh, understand that his eschatology was a major factor in that.
1: And you and I commented that it was interesting that here he was a convinced pre-millen- pre-millennialist, and yet now when certain social things are happening in California due to the COVID and everything else, he he was able to discard his theological convictions to now take a different eschatological position that fit his discomfort. And it, it I'm like, that's not much of a conviction at that point. Yeah. It's like, that's a man who has, I, I just said, it, that's just a man who didn't actually have a eschatology mm-hmm. um, and
0: yeah, and you know I, you and i i mean i I think you would say, i mean if if you're studying the text and you truly come to a different or new conviction on something, that's one thing that's totally different, yeah, versus, hey, here are issues happening in the culture or things that I'd like to do at at a church level, um So I'm going to start toying with this other theology a little bit. I might not be even fully convinced of that, um, but functionally what he was still able to do is at least ignore what he stated he held to at at the time. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. Um, And so it's just bizarre. What what you saw there was it wasn't, his eschatology wasn't truly controlling him because yeah, I don't fully agree yet with post mill, but I'm not letting the pre mill Control anything yet? And I'm but gonna... you made a comment that I thought was spot on
1: at that point because one of the things the post mill folks will say um, is that especially the uh, premillennialists do newspaper exegesis, whatever is the, in the newspaper they're trying to find in the, the Bible, and yet you pointed out that he literally was practicing newspaper eschatology or theology. Yeah,
0: in a different on way. the flip
1: side because yeah. the the current events were happening this way, and he looked for a new eschatology that would allow him to engage in the way he wants to. Um, and it's like, okay, it's uh, you, still not being derived out of a biblical conviction. It's, um, and that I think that's weak.
0: It's, yeah. it's a shame. I agree with you. Um, so in any event, we would say absolutely that eschatology matters. Um, again, many are slow to care because it is a contentious uh, conversation. Many also just, they, they don't understand the importance of eschatology for everyday practical living as a Christian, um, and so they ignore it. I mean, you know, that that's that's in the arena of just debates and thinking thoughts. I don't see how talking about revelation is going to have any impact on how I go to work tomorrow. Um, so what we're hoping for with this series here is we hope to help you change and better understand that.
1: And know that we're right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, there is that. But. That's where I said
1: the—never
0: We uh, never mind. Okay, so
1: let's introduce it with that. Um, first of all, why is it uh, important to know the end? And Well, first of all, because God revealed it to us. Um, so the working presupposition to any Bible-believing Christian should have— that a christian should have is that god wants us to know it for a reason because he did reveal it so it's our job to learn it it's not actually then an intellectual enterprise uh, nor is it a pursuit to satisfy the curious rather it, there's an actual practical purpose in the here and now in fact on an, as in the site when i preached through revelation i pointed out in the first what 2 3 verses of revelation it's the only book of the bible where those who read and heed what's written in it will be blessed. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and yet, how many people are ignorant of revelation? And yet, yep. Christ literally said, you know, if you read this these words and heed them, there's a blessing that comes with it. And yet, we just don't want to talk about it. It's divisive. So, there's many who have great curiosity in eschatology, uh, but they never actually stop to ask why or for what purpose. Well, there is a purpose, and their interests would be better served if they could learn why. Second, it, it also helps shape your present living. Um, this is a major point, an emphasis that we want to try to bring out as we work our way through this. So you're going to hear us push that hard. Uh, an old theologian named Pannenberg, uh, he states it well. He said, the study of eschatology is important because the present becomes clear only in light of the future. That's clear. Typical of him. Where'd you get that quote,
0: Penenberg? Yeah, um, probably Greg Allison. Oh, that's which, interesting. By the way, let me caveat here: a lot of our eschatology is going to come from his lectures. So, lest I or we try to take credit, um, understand? He's going to be a great source of help here. Yes, and
1: I, I asked only because uh, Erickson's theology. Yeah, that man. Almost every single page had a Pannenberg quote, for good or for bad, but mm-hmm. he loved his Pannenberg. Anyhow, to fail to understanding the present implications of eschatology is to fail then to in understanding eschatology as a mm-hmm. whole.
0: Yep. Uh, third, a study of eschatology helps us to better understand other topics in systematic theology. That's a good point. So we've been saying all along that nothing here is done in a vacuum every you're, Certain points of theology always intersect, uh, interact with, and inform other points of theology. So for example, theology proper, uh, which is a good old study of the person and character and nature of God, that's better understood when we see how God will finally glorify himself, which is an eschatological issue. Uh, in theological anthropology, um, study of man, eschatology answers the question, for example, of how the problem of sin and corruption ultimately will be solved. In Christology, eschatology answers how the work of Christ will be crowned with perfect victory. In soteriology, doctrine of salvation, eschatology answers how the work of the spirit will finally issue in the complete redemption and glorification of God's people. Um, In ecclesiology, eschatology answers what will be the ultimate exaltation of the church of Jesus Christ. And so again, all these various points of theology eschatology is going to help fill that out. Yeah,
1: they it becomes the sum of all that, right? Yeah.
0: I think that would be the right way to say it. Yeah, that's so. a good, it's all moving toward that. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: so, fourth, eschatology is important because it answers the question of every human's destiny. And again, we go back. I, I literally preached at two different um, funerals. The first one, most of the people, they were not believers. The woman died in Christ, but she was married to a Muslim uh, and— I had a whole host of people there, and I I went hard at where she was, and the hope is found only through Jesus Christ. Uh, the second one, it was primarily believers, but there were unbelievers there. And again, um, I I handle it slightly different, but again, it was all about where is this person and what what is our hope and when we look at a person dead? What, I mean, at some point, you got to face that hard reality. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost every human being who has ever lived is conscious and believes that their soul survives his or her death. A manifestation of this is seen in how many times material goods are buried along with the corpses to equip the corpses for a future life. In other cultures, seances are practiced in an effort to communicate with the dead. Nowadays, that's even more part of our culture. In others, there's the ancestor worship. In Greek culture, coins were placed over the eyes of the deceased so they could pay their tax when crossing the mystic river. Uh, The Catholic Church embraces prayers of the saints, indulgences, purgatory, and things such as that. Regardless, most people in the world and in the history of the world believe in some form of the afterlife and for which they will have to give an account. As such, many are curious then about what happens, and most believe their future is determined by their present. Um, There is a growing challenge also in our modern, postmodern world in which some have come to conclude there is nothing after death. This is still a minority position in the history of the world. Uh, The universal belief is that there is a life after death, both historically and contemporary. The opinion of no life after death is typically found among a small minority of the new atheists who are virulent and, and, and quite aggressive. And we, we get a lot of that here yeah. in America. This is a contemporary phenomenon, though, usually reserved among the very elite, often over, <laughs> over-educated people. Well, wow, that was harsh. Um <laughs> Those people really are a blip on the radar. I think they're even more of a blip than we appreciate because when they all of a sudden hear the word cancer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's like, well, let's see how your worldview handles this. It's, why are you so terrified of death if it means nothing? Um, it, it's a very growing challenge, but this perspective is also still... A very minor position, less than one percent.
0: Yeah. Fifth, eschatology is important because we are in what the Bible refers to as the last days. Uh, The last days, or the end times, uh, are the times between Christ's ascension, after his uh, resurrection, and Christ's uh, uh, coming back, his return. Uh, Therefore, by definition, as far as the Bible's concerned, we are uh, an eschatological people. So we live in this present evil age as sojourners and strangers who long for the age to come. And so there's, as a result, great tension in what we'll, we're going to refer to a, a lot as the already but not yet stage. Um, sixth,
1: as I already mentioned, a proper eschatology provides true hope. When the Bible speaks of hope, it's not speaking of wishful thinking. And I think people don't, Realize that. Uh, rather, hope becomes a settled assurance. I think the Hebrew writer of Hebrews calls it an anchor uh, for the soul um, and rest in the truth of what will happen. So, a secure hope in what is to come shapes and colors and controls every aspect of life now, both in the good and the bad, which shows how I think a lot of people who claim to have a good eschatology. Don't because when difficulties and crises hit, where a loved one um, is suddenly taken from them, and that person died in Christ, and there you you don't see the hope. You don't even it, 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 you know. Paul tells us in First Thessalonians that we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Right. There is the rightness of grief, right? I, right. I, I lost my wife, but it's it's a hope-filled grief versus a am devastated because I don't have a good eschatology. Mm-hmm. So I think I, th- I think a lot of people never develop that eschatology like they ought to. So I, I really hope we do a good job in this and people are thankful. Even if they walk away and say, ah, I don't think they're <laughs> whack jobs. Yeah. I hope that they can appreciate that. Our millennial position is only a part of our eschatology, um, that all genuine Christians all agree on certain
0: non-negotiables. Right. Yep. So the question then is, how how are we going to approach this topic? Uh, As you mentioned, I think sometimes when people do think of eschatology, it's immediately that millennial debate. That's important, but it's a a small portion of what actually is all involved in eschatology. Um, So, a classic approach to eschatology has been divided into two sections. Um, First, you're going to have individual eschatology. This deals with the topics of death and what happens to an individual after death. Uh, Also, it involves the intermediate state, which I find to be a very fascinating Mm -hmm. topic. Um, But then you also have cosmic eschatology. That's the second piece. And that's going to deal with such topics as the return of Christ, tribulation, millennium, uh, the heaven, new heavens and the new earth. Um, and so our plan um, is to approach it this way as well, uh, giving just a broad overview. We're likely going to circle back and do some episodes giving more extended excursions on a few of the more debated topics, uh, things such as views on millennium, tribulation, so on and so forth. Um, so that's what's to come. So this is our very short basic introduction to eschatology for you. Uh, Next time, the plan is to begin that very wonderful, happy topic of death. Uh, So until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts on eschatology. And don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend.